Welcome to the Spooky Succubus cast. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Almost. <laughs> I think this will come out, like, yeah, like, a few days before Halloween. Do you have any Halloween right. plans? Well, we realized um, that for the first time ever, we live in a house. <gasps> so we realized we're going to get trick-or-treaters, because, like, kids live in the neighborhood. So when Adam gets home from the road, we're going to decorate and get candy and I don't know, maybe I'll get a little pair of like cat ears or something like that, you know? Cute. I thought you were going to say you're going to have a Halloween party and I was going to be so jealous. I couldn't be there. I wish. I feel like not enough people would come to Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's in Worcester? Never mind. Uh, we have like three friends here and that's working for us. But That's good. You know. It would. Ha- I think it would have to be a really special occasion for people to come out here to party. Although Halloween is an incredibly special day, it is. I I feel like I think there's an expectation that I'm like a spooky person. I don't think I'm that spooky though. Honestly, I do like I skeletons, mean... but I don't like. And I was emo, but I'm I'm more sad than spooky in my heart who doesn't like skeletons that's true and i think if i'm being truly honest i like christmas more than halloween i just love i love christmas i love christmas it was it's just like always it's like top tier memories are christmas it's like so much food i like love my like having a christmas tree it's the greatest i love decorating it i love the vibe i love christmas thanksgiving Um, i kind of want to phase out of my life i love mashed potatoes so and i love a good stuffing mashed potatoes anytime you want you can make pie i I do anytime you want um i do love stovetop stuffing but it has so many carcinogens did you know that that it's like no i've terrible for you i've always made my own because it's like bread and vegetables it's like wow so fancy (laughs) um but anyway, that is like if I'm fancy, that's not the reason. Yeah, I guess I've just we've always done we are a stovetop type of. I think my mom always makes so much else homemade, and there's like twelve pies in the mix that she's always like stovetop. It is, you know. I do love pie of all kinds. I Caesar and I are supposed to go to a party on Halloween today. No. Oh, no. What are you yeah. going to dress up as? Well, that's I'm neither one of us are like big costume people. We've been watching Atlanta and he was like I'll be Paperboy and you could be Ernie like Donald Glover's character that's and I was like cute. I don't know if I could do that. But I was thinking cuz we were talking about the bear last week, we could do he is Maddie Matheson and I'm Jeremy Allen White because I'm, like, shorter than him. And all I need is, like, a white shirt and a blue apron. And he just needs a pair of overalls and a tie-dye shirt and a beanie. And he's mad Honestly, Caesar sh- should make overalls, like, an everyday outfit. He would look really good in them. I look like a toddler when I wear overalls. But I I wish I could. I always look at other people wearing overalls. I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's a look. I wish I could pull that off. I have a couple off. of pair. Yeah, I've seen you pull off an overall. 
One of the problems is my ratio. My ratios are off. You can see directly into the overalls when I wear them. It's probably huge on the top, yeah, when you wear them. And then there's like a gaping hole inside, you know what I mean? But anyway, this is an overalls podcast. Caesar should get into like, (laughs) welcome to the spooky overalls podcast. Caesar (laughs) should get into like the coveralls and like steel-toed boots like Maddie Matheson he was I mean he would never do that but he would look really good (laughs) he's like I think his style has really evolved I like to take credit for it he disagrees with me but he we basically dress the same I wish he would collar his I wish he would just like roll those sleeves up a little bit but that's that'll come with time but yeah he like vans and jeans and a t-shirt and a hat i was walking frankie in my usual checkered vans the other day <laughs> and i was like my bunion really hurts in these vans and i think i have to get like nine to five like walking shoes because like i can't orthopedic shoes kind of well i you know and my hiking boots are great but i use them like on the trail and then when i'm just like doing a neighborhood walk i just wear whatever like crocs or you know, my vans, but I'm like, I think I need real like sneakers to power walk, you know, with the dog. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's a, what's a bunion? What is that? Oh I know it's like a something. My... Okay. So be- I'll tell you everything. <laughs> so because <laughs> like the human foot isn't, hasn't like evolved to wear shoes, you know, and like shoes like vans or Converse or like high heels like squish our toes into like formations they're not supposed to be in so when you do that it means like you are creating friction on like the base of your big toe so whenever people have like those big pointy knob thingies on their like the base of their big toes you know and their toes are kind of like pushing the opposite direction they're supposed to how do you not know okay Okay. Here, I'll send you a WebMD article. <laughs> send me what I, you know, feet really freak me out. So I think I've just avoided like ever really investigating that for myself. A bunion is a bony bump that forms on the joint at bony. the base of your big toe. So it's like a weird bone formation. Oh my it's God. basically like your big toe gets pushed at an angle like towards your other toes. And when that happens, the bone like grows out like at the base. So it's like pointy. I'm scared. And you have that? That sounds so painful. Or like the I mean, early. It's like mild. Like some people okay. get them so bad that um, I'm sending you a screenshot from, from people. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I don't want to send you actual foot pics because, like, no, thank ew. you. So I'm sending you, you know, like when they do the, like, you know, medical cartoon diagrams. Okay. Or whatever. Thank- I really appreciate that, honestly. <laughs> thank you. Um, cause yeah, every time I have to like see a foot and I'm not like mentally prepared for it, it's like a jump scare. I mean, fair. They're not great. Like, but yeah, so sometimes people get so bad they have to have surgery, but mine is like mild. My dad has a pretty bad one and he only has one on his right foot and I have the same and like he can deal with it. It's maybe gotten, like, a little bigger, but the surgery is, like, literally can't walk for, like, six weeks, so unless you really need it, like, I'm not going to do it, you know? Oh, 
Plus, the they'll probably you know. just tell me to, to lose weight. They'll be like, if you stop being fat, your bunion will go away. <laughs> but isn't that, like, the, you know, the medical go-to? is like, everybody knows you should lose weight, you know? Yeah, I saw this TikTok of a woman who was, like, eight months pregnant and was having, like, unbearable sciatic pain and was trying everything to manage it, like, stretching, you know, like, massage, a million kinds of, like at-home treatments and I guess her OB was like it's because you're obese like you're just carrying too much weight it's like she's pregnant she's like eight months pregnant what the hell the worst never trust a doctor I just saw truly um and that's like yeah I don't know a, a fat woman you can't exist in the world without you know everyone telling you you're obese or all your problems are because you're fat but um, I just saw like a, a doctor was outed because she, an OBGYN because she was at a anti-choice rally. And that I was like, are you a fucking dumbass? But like, I hope you get your medical license revoked. You're such a fucking asshole. Like, even if you are, just stay home and think that. Don't go to a rally, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, and so that, and the, the, I forget. Imagine what seeing she your. For seeing your OB on the news at an anti-choice rally. Like, what the heck? What a fuckhead. But, um, anyway, maybe we should start talking about this movie. We've gone on... We're only nine minutes in. (laughs) Okay. This is not a podcast about bunions. Did we we say who we are? (laughs) No! We're the spooky succubus cast, an intersectional feminist, anti-racist, anti-capitalist podcast about... Horror movies. I'm Abby here with Rebecca. Rebecca. And today we're talking, because we're celebrating the Halloween holiday, we're talking about the original 1978 Halloween, which is, I mean, definitely John Carpenter's musical magnum opus. I think he has made better movies, but the score is like literally perfect. I mean, the thing does not pass the Bechdel test, but it's like basically a perfect movie i like i really love the thing i don't the pacing is great i like that it's like contained like i yeah. get really scared of movies that are like single set or like you know you're trapped in some specific place um and i think i like the thing better than this but i think this movie is incredibly watchable and pretty yeah. fun um so, yeah, we're talking Halloween 1978. Tagline is, the night he, in italics, came home. Which is, like, such a, a understated tagline for, like, the biggest horror movie of the the late 20th century. Well, I'm sure, 20th century. like, I, we talked about this, but, like, this was not John Carpenter's idea. He was approached by financiers who were like, we want... <laughs> A slasher movie about a killer that kills babysitters and he was yeah. like okay like imagine you're john carpenter and this turns into like one of the most massive 20th century horror franchises and he's like what's even my idea <laughs> whoops yeah erwin yavlins and this is from so i did i pulled the book out too so you can see it because um hey i do like it it's nightmare movies by kim newman um 
but that she does talks seem about... like I don't like to buy a ton of books. I like to utilize my library, but that feels like a book it would be good to own and have around. I mean, I love to mistreat a book. Like I love the library, but I also like to, you know, make annotations and highlight things and especially in something that I'm using this way. But um, she talks about Erwin Yablins and how he, it was his idea to make like a babysitter movie because when a stranger calls um, and that kind of like make, get a cash cow out of this like emerging Black Christmas peeping Tom sort of horror film phenomenon. I was watching, um, I don't know, I was watching something. You know me, I'm always watching some piece of shit horror movie. <laughs> but I was like scrolling through the horror movies on Prime and I didn't know this existed, but it was like when a stranger calls back and it's like no Carol way. Kane, but she's she's like changed her babysitter persona and she's in like a leather trench coat holding like a gun, like a handgun like this. I was oh like, God. oh no, she she got radicalized. I would love to see Carol Kane in a leather trench coat. That sounds fun. I might just Hold watch on, it just for that. Hold on, let me see if I can find you. The... Um, like Stranger Calls back. Back. Again, this is... Oh my god. You don't I'm always sorry, need a sequel. Gonna... Am I going to screech? You're going to You're gonna die when you see this movie poster. I cannot yes. wait. Um, Should we uh, start talking about Halloween? Let's start talking about... Okay, so it was... Uh, Directed, co-written, and musical score by John Carpenter. Um, he billed himself as the Bowling Green Philharmonic Orchestra in the um, in the credits uh, because he made the iconic Plinky Plunky score in three days. He composed and recorded this iconic piece of music in three fucking days, which is he didn't even do it on purpose. Again, he made the most iconic horror movie on a kind of on accident. He's just like. He was just kind of, it was like taking him for a ride. He was like, yeah, I'll just like quietly roll with this, whatever. <laughs> Riding the Did waves. Did you get my text? Oh, I haven't yet. Um, and then it was also produced and co-written by the um, very talented Deborah Hill. Oh my God. Isn't that it's funny? Amazing. I'm going to make <laughs> a note. Terror is twice as chilling. To. I'm going to make a note of all the things we talk about so we remember to put pictures. To put them on the stories. Bunions. Um, (laughs) Bunions, number one. Okay. Um, Deborah Hill uh, was a prolific producer and collaborator of Carpenters. She wrote The Fog, both of them, um, the screenwriter for the original and for the remake in the 2000s, Escape from New York, etc., she was diagnosed with colon cancer and worked throughout her di- diagnoses and unfortunately passed far, far too soon at the age of 54 in 2005. Very young. Rest in peace to um, a legend. I think, yeah, we should definitely do a fog doubleheader. I don't know. Whenever. Like, no one, no one no can one. tell us what to do. We're the captain <laughs> We should do now. for, um, like, March for Women's History Month. Hey, let's do it. I like the fog. It's so upsetting. I it, like. I haven't actually seen the original. I've only seen the 2005 version. Same, yeah. Um, and then, like we said, independent producer Erwin Yablins. We've got main cast Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. Um, Nick In Castle. her debut. Is it her film I debut? I think it's her film debut. Yeah, debut. I believe so. Um, 
Yeah, she's she's got the hair of a 45-year-old, but she was in her 20s. <laughs> the hair <laughs> and the outfits of a 45-year-old. And the voice. And the voice. It's like she how does... um, Angela Lansbury was, like, never a young woman, even when she was a young woman, you know? Did you see that um, performance, like, her singing performance? I forget what no. musical it was. But, yeah, she looked the same age, just her hair was gray. Um it's great like now but um I, yeah i'm on the imdbs i don't know she she has such an extensive film are we oh, talking yeah. about jamie lee curtis or angela lansbury now we're talking i'm back to jamie lee curtis she was in <laughs> a few tv roles before this is her film debut yeah you were right and the um, original Prom Night. Prom Night. Revisited. Which is, That's the second one. No, don't revisit it because the remake <laughs> is really bad. Um, we've got Nick Castle as Michael Myers slash The Shape. Um, and he has a story by credit for Hook, which is just a wild piece of like movie information. I don't understand yeah, how that happened. so, so confusing. Did you write Peter Pan? Um and then he was also the shape what, in the two for other- some reason when you said the hook i was like like the blues traveler song <laughs> the hook but like uh, what? no that's not correct the robin williams slash Justin hey she's Hoffman on the bear right. who's in the bear jamie lee curtis Donna oh my Perzato. god i'm really upset that you haven't watched the bear because i I'll really think you would like it she's great her the, Caesar and I were credit. like, she's so fucking good. She's fucking great. She's like the drunk mom. It's a little triggering. She but, probably um, was like actually drunk too. Like, yeah, whatever. She might have been method. We will we'll never know. I also no only men. You also do haven't method. seen everything everywhere all at once, right? No, I've been afraid it's going to emotionally destroy me. It might just. Um, but she was I just also want really to flag um, that Jamie Lee Curtis's last credit is voice only Offset and Cardi B's Jealousy music video. So I think that's wow. pretty <laughs> Interesting. She's She'll do anything for that paycheck, baby. Even pull out wind chimes for Housewives. Oh my god. So funny. <laughs> That's like literally I can never watch the Halloween movies. Any movie in this franchise without thinking of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But that's like a lot of things in your life are just like real house. What, like I you like do live with have so a lot more. of <laughs> cultural <laughs> touchstones that are related to Real Housewives. That's true. Um, then we've got Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis. Also a prolific actor. PJ Souls. You might remember her from Carrie as Linda Van de Klock, The most made up fucking name you've ever heard. Linda <laughs> Van de Klock. Van de Klock. Uh, <laughs> Nancy Loomis as Annie Brackett. Um, she was also in Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which is like the departure from the series. Has like nothing to do with any of the other ones. Um, at, that was directed by her former husband, Tommy Lee Wallace. Um, she Should we just from, work our way through all of them? Through all the Halloween, sure. They none of them make sense. Uh, they're it's like an undertaking that you like write a dissertation about how convoluted it is. But 
For some reason, I feel like a 35-year-old white guy with a beard has already written that He might have already done it. That's true. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, like... Hunter already wrote that. <laughs> Jason's already on it. Um, then we've got Charles Cyphers as Sheriff Lee Brackett. Uh, Brian Andrews as Tommy Doyle, uh, who retired from acting in 2015 and allegedly according to wikipedia lives in phoenix so i might bump into him apparently i was like oh who reprised (laughs) nice who reprised the role in the like recent ones that are bad and it's anthony michael hall who weirdly like does look a lot like tommy doyle's the actor that plays tommy doyle as an adult anthony michael hall is such a weird he's like went from skinny to buff in like a year and a half and then I know, he did like, that weird what are psychic you, Andrew show. Dice Clay now? <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. Oh my god. And then we've got Kyle Richards as Lindsay Wallace and Abby's gonna take this one. Yes, yeah, so Kyle Richards is from a pretty unfamous Hollywood family that never, like, (laughs) totally got off the ground. The uh, Richards family. So there's three sisters, Kyle, Kim, and Kathy, who's now Kathy Hilton, mother of Paris and Nikki Hilton. Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Kyle Richards is the Hilton girl's aunt. So Kathy married in... I think I forgot to. Kathy Hilton married and married Rick Hilton into the like Hilton family dynasty because Big Kathy, their mom, was always like, either get famous or marry rich or you're like gonna amount to nothing, basically. So I think they had like a pretty toxic upbringing. And the the sisters, Kim, Kyle, and Kathy, are never all talking to each other. Two of them are always like talking while one's on the outs, and it just like rotates which one is which. Um, But Kyle still has a relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis all these years later. She reprised her role as Lindsay Wallace in the, like, shitty movies that came out during the pandemic. And she also has had Jamie Lee Curtis on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills from time to time to, like, plug her charities or whatever, which famously resulted in Dorit Kemsley, who is another Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, who is known for her, like vague British-esque accent, even though she grew up in Connecticut, just tells Jamie Lee Curtis how chic every, like, charity-branded item is. So that resulted in, that is the chicest wind chime I've ever seen, which is a very classic uh, line. But yeah, it's all, like, it's a small world. So... Um, whenever Kyle wants to, like, talk... Oh, I just dropped my mic. <laughs> whenever Kyle wants to talk about Paris on the show, but, like, seem like she's subtle, she's always like, my niece. My niece. Everyone says I look just like my niece, which she doesn't. <laughs> no, they don't look anything alike. I mean, Kyle, I looked at a picture of her, the picture that's on IMDb. She and looks, she looks the same. great. Yeah, she looks Yeah. She's had, like, her work has been really subtle. She's had, like, you know, some people can go overboard, housewives go overboard, but her work has been pretty subtle. And then she, well, she apparently, I forgot about this point, too. She recently got a nose job because she claimed she was injured and her nose was broken on the set 
of Halloween kills. <laughs> so she used that as an excuse to get a nose job. I have a deviated septum. And then, yeah, everybody made fun of her for an entire season while she was shooting Halloween because she had the same bangs that Lindsay Wallace has in this movie. And everybody was like, those look bad on you. (laughs) Oh, I mean. I thought she looked good with the bangs. Bangs are tough. They're they're the great divider, right? Um, We're so far into this recap without recapping. Listen, here we go. We open on the iconic Plinky score as a shining jack-o'-lantern drifts closer. Title card reads, Haddonfield, Illinois, Halloween night, 1963. We POV shoot around the outside of a house. Two teens make out on the couch and then head upstairs. The POV enters through the back door and a hand reaches out and grabs a knife. Uh, We watch as the teen boy comes down the stairs, putting a shirt on, promising to call. The POV heads upstairs. He's not going to call. Never going to call, girl. He had, I'm never going to call face. Um, But he was up there for one minute. So yeah. you're not missing much. He's not uh, a generous lover. That's much is clear. <laughs> um, the POV heads upstairs, finds a class clan, clown mask and puts it on. And then the POV narrows to the eye holes, which I really loved. Um, it watches a teen girl naked brushing her hair. She screams Michael and the POV stabs her and heads out the ha- out of the house. The parents arrive Doesn't home. Go far. And it, not far. He just like walks out on the lawn and stands there. Uh, the parents arrive home and it's revealed the killer is a little boy in a clown costume. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, title card reads Smith. Smith's Grove, Illinois, October 30th, 1978. Rain pours. Wait, I as... have to say something. I just realized that the outfit I said Caesar would look good in is basically Michael Myers' outfit. I was like, coveralls and boots. Coveralls and boots. And a, <laughs> and a, and a, and a weird fucking Star mask. Trek mask. What's his name? <laughs> Fuck. Kirk is the name on Star I was like, Trek. S- Bob? William Shatner. <laughs> there it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, rain pours as psychiatrist Dr. Samuel Loomis and nurse Marion Chambers drive up to a quote-unquote sanatorium, which is a word I don't love. You. Uh, Loomis tells her of his patient Michael Myers, who they are taking for a court hearing. He hasn't spoken in 15 years, and Loomis thinks he's a monster and doesn't want him to be re- released. As they approach, they see patients roaming on the lawn. They pull up to the main gate, and Loomis gets out to investigate. Michael, while he's out of the car, Michael t- climbs on top of the car, which, with like the craziest little like sound effect. It's he's, like, like the most up the car. like slow, calm hijacking of all time because he like grabs the nurse around like the throat, and she's just like. Ah, ah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I'd act in a crisis, but yeah, he like he's on top of the I'd car. Let it she rolls the window down for I no reason. I don't care. I don't want that car. I don't want it bad enough to like fight you. Take the fucking car. I don't care. I mean, yeah, take the car. Leave my neck where it is, though. It doesn't take need the you. gun. Leave the cannoli. Take the cannoli. Leave the gun. Take the cannolis. Did I say it backwards? That's okay. Who? That's who cares. What is that from? This is isn't Godfather? a movie podcast. The Godfather, yeah. I've only seen it once, like, 15 years ago. Sorry, guys. It's so long. I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Well, Whoops, why do you sorry know the about better it. better than me. 
Because you're better at pop culture. I just know. I just like cultural osmosis things into my brain. I don't know. Um, where am I? Okay, so the nurse. Oh yeah. Okay, so she's not like kind of like choked to like half consciousness. Michael hijacks the car, and they're just like sitting there with their dicks out. What is your face doing? I can't hear. I couldn't hear you. You were like frozen, and then it was like speeding up. Can you hear me now? Now you're good. But you were like, I could okay. hear your lips or see your lips moving, but I couldn't hear you. So Michael Myers has the car. Let's just move on. We're back in Haddonfield. There's, yeah. Title card: Hadden, Halloween Haddonfield. Lori Strode is walking out of her house on her way to school. <laughs> it took us twenty-eight minutes to get to the title card. Hey. This is what the people pay to hear, you know. <laughs> Nobody's paying. That's you got another seltzer? This one's almost empty. Wow. Watermelon? Sounds good. I thought of you because I came downstairs the other day and I had to take my morning happy pill. My morning don't kill yourself pill. And so I just grabbed the seltzer that was closest to me and I was like, this is an old, like an extra old one. I don't know when it's from. And it was kind of gross. Okay, that was a little break for, I don't know, who cares? We are we we are always not on the same page. It's part of our charm. Uh, we're, yeah, we're physically far, far away. It's hard, you know? If we were sitting in the same studio, we would be great. I but mean, we yeah, would be deal with... zip, zap, zopping, for sure. Zopping all the way, yeah. Um, okay, so... Lori Strode is walking out of her house on her way to school. Her father calls out to remind her to drop the keys off at the Myers place. On the way, she bumps into Tommy Doyle. Um, he's excited that she'll be babysitting him tonight, and they walk together to the Myers house. She tells him she has to drop the key off so her dad can sell the place. Tommy warns her it's a, quote, spook house, and she puts the key under the mat without fear. But from the inside point of view, we see a shadow in front of the door and a man watches Lori walk away. I like that. He says spook house. Like it's a well-known phrase. He's like, it's a spook house. You must know spook house. What a spook house is. (laughs) But then I thought it was like, yeah. So such a unique phrase. Like maybe it was something people said in the seventies. I don't know. We weren't there. We're very young. I'm so young. Like basically a fetus. Um, <laughs> Loomis has a heated discuss- discussion with the doctor at the hospital about Michael's um, escape. Loomis believes n- no one is taking this breakout seriously enough, which is true. true. But Loomis is is like kind of a psychopath as well. Like he, he's, he's coming issues. on a little strong. He might, <laughs> he might need a sabbatical after this is over. He needs a mental health week, yeah. Uh, In class, Lori sees Michael and his stolen sanatorium car outside of the window watching her, but then he suddenly disappears. Uh, Tommy walks out of school with a gigantic pumpkin, a pumpkin the size of him. Uh, And then he gets bullied and falls on top of it. I don't think it would have broken that easily. That wasn't a real pumpkin, Obby. Obviously, it's pretty hollowed out. For I also sure. like the idea that children are getting handed like 50 pound pumpkins at school to take home. Here, Tommy, take this shit so I don't have to deal with it, is basically like what the teacher was thinking. 
Um, Michael stops one of the bullies and scares him and then watches Tommy walk away and follows him in the car, like very slowly, very obviously following this little boy home. Very slow. I think the bully is played by Richie Castle. The bully is played by Mickey Yablins, which is the Irwin Yablins, the financier. Oh, no, he's an independent film producer. Excuse me. The son of the the son of Irwin. He's he got he got his kid a role, you know. Nepo baby alert. Nepo baby. (laughs) Um, On his way to Haddonfield, Loomis stops at a phone booth. Remember those? Remember phone booths for the people? Actually, Bring them back. I can't honestly. say I've ever used a phone booth. I've definitely made collect calls and I've definitely used pay phones, but I don't know if I've stepped into like the humid box of your own breath that was a phone booth. Yeah, I think I've used a phone at a phone bank. I think when I went to college, I think my first... Yeah, I think I used a phone booth once. Yeah, train they, stations it was like, used to have like 10, 15 payphones in a row. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, I think I, yeah, I think that's the only time. Um, plus I'm like always been the kind of person who like lets my phone die slash loses it. So I've always needed, I've appreciated a public phone. Um, so he's using this hot, smelly box where people used to put phones, um, and piss in as well. (laughs) He's calling the police in Haddonfield to warn them of Michael's impending arrival. He sees a red truck pulled way off the highway and finds Michael's discarded hospital clothes and a matchbox that was in the nurse's car. The camera pans to see the dead mechanic, but Loomis doesn't see him because he's not investigating. There's... He's just like, huh, well, this is weird. Also, There's no why, reason. you know, take less conspicuous truck than hospital vehicle? Maybe it was uh, a manual and he only knows how to drive automatic. How did he learn to drive? We still don't know. Hey! We still Frankie, don't know. take it down a notch. Calm down. No, 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 quiet. Someone probably dared to walk into the house. Frankie, stop. How dare they? I stayed, like, really quiet for some of the time you were talking with the assumption that Adam will edit her out. <laughs> she just looked at me when I said edit her out. She's like, what the hell? Here, come How up here. dare you? Come up, Frank. I got uh, some new shapewear for a wedding that came today, so it's sitting next to me on the couch. <laughs> Whoa. I I don't know. I kind of hate shapewear. I feel so, like... I know. <gasps> I but... think, like... I don't know. You know, sometimes... I have this, like, spare tire, obviously, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, whatever, and then sometimes I just want to feel a little more contained. Plus, it'll be, like, I'm wearing a you know, spaghetti strap dress and it'll be a little cooler. It's an October wedding, so it'll be a little extra warmth, too. That's the problem. I just feel, like, sweaty. I, I just don't like being, like, sweaty. But, yeah. If it if you feel good, wear it. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Can't be that bad. <laughs> um, Lori and her friend Linda, Linda Vandeklok, 
Um, Vanderklok <laughs> discuss a dance happening the next night. Lori doesn't have a date. Boys think she's too smart. They're Fair. like, you look like my um, mom's like divorce lawyer's paralegal. So no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you look like you work in an office and you're 16. So she's like a, she's Lori from HR. <laughs> Lori from HR. Um, another friend, Annie, who is Abby's favorite character, Annie runs up. <laughs> too much. The thing is, like, we've all had an Annie in our life. You know, sometimes you get a good Annie, like your Annie, and sometimes you get this shit. But I do think it's nice that Deborah Miller wrote the babysitter dialogue as a former babysitter herself, because it does feel like, you know, more authentic than if a man wrote it. It feels like, you know, young ladies talking to each other. Yeah, I think, like, Maybe, I don't know if this movie passes the Bechdel test because they do spend a lot of time talking about boys. But to be fair, teenage girls talk well, about boys. They a lot. talk about. So. They talk about. Well, I was going to say they talk about, like, the kids, but only when she's like, can you take this kid so I can get my boyfriend? Um, yeah. And I don't. Yeah, like, speaking as a former teenager, you're not having, like, real conversations you know you're talking about like especially these horny ass babysitters they are so horny they want all they can think about is fucking yeah Yeah, they like this is what's on their mind in the moment it's like yes maybe not the you know the smartest conversation but it felt real enough and it wasn't like it did feel like it was written by a woman who maybe at one point was a teenage girl so babysitter what we really know is Deborah was getting that pull back in the day. <laughs> Deborah was out there chasing tail. She as was a babysitter for slaying sure. Tang or whatever. <laughs> but I don't know. You just tang. made that up. I no, like. No, I think but... it's like a comedy bang bang thing. Don't get too. <laughs> don't get too excited. I'm a joke um, thief. That's okay, aren't we all? No one's ever had an original thought. Um, so Annie runs up and they start walking home together. Michael drives by quickly. They assume that it's quickly. It seems like he's driving 15 miles an hour. It's going like 25 (laughs) miles an hour. And Annie yells at him for driving too fast. And then he gets annoyed because (laughs) he's like, come on, I just learned to drive. Like, I thought I was doing pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) I know where the gas and the brake are, okay? Cut me some slack. He did prove that. Um, yeah. yeah. So he slams on the brake and then drives away. Um, Cause he like doesn't, he can't, he has to scare them before he murders them. He can't do like vehicular manslaughter. He's got to be up close and personal with a knife. Mm-hmm. So Annie is also babysitting that night. A girl, Lindsay Wallace, who lives just across the street from the Doyles where Lori will be babysitting Annie's upset because her boyfriend, Paul, is grounded, so he can't come over to see her that night. Linda is already planning to come over to the Wallaces with her boyfriend, Bob, so they can fuck without parents. So inappropriate. It's incredibly inappropriate. I mean, it only gets worse, but there are children around, and you guys are like, when can we fucking suck? You know, like, everybody calm down. 
There's and an eight-year-old. They all one. have, like, giant station wagons, too. So, like, guys, just do it the old-fashioned way. You don't always get a bed, okay? Like, yeah. take what you can get. That's part of life. Lori sees Michael hiding aggressively. If you can hear that, I apologize. I can't. (laughs) Dogs. Dogs. Um, Lori sees Michael hiding behind a bush up ahead, and she warns Annie that it's the guy from the car. But when Annie marches over to confront him, no one is there. I do like how casual Michael is. He's like, and then he's gone. (laughs) He's not worried about it. Also, Annie's um, like, so yeah, brash. Like, what are you going to do if there is a freaking murderer behind the bush? What's your plan then? She's going to say, Lindsay! And annoy them to death. That's um, so true. Michael would kidnap her and be like, I actually can't with you. So, bye. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you, I'm going to go, like, leave you back at home. Just, like, drop you just, at like, a don't neutral have the location. Mental- <laughs> He's like, I've been sitting in silence for 15 years, and, like, this is too much. (laughs) Um, Lori is distracted by looking for Michael, and and Annie's creepy cop dad, Sheriff Lee Brackett, bumps into her. On purpose. On purpose. She was not looking, and he's staring straight at her and, like, lets her walk right into him without alerting her. Hey there, little lady. Also, could this scene of her walking home be longer? She's been walking home for, like, 45 minutes. You know, like, I love old horror movies. I like some new horror movies. I just appreciate... Sometimes it's done well, but I really appreciate the pacing in this movie. Like, I think that it's nice to, like, take a little breath and, like, it's... We're not rushing through anything. She's like a girl walking home It also home feels alone. more like real too because it does just kind of like feel like a regular day. She goes home after school and takes her white ribbed, you know, tights off to put on her <laughs> chinos. Like <laughs> she's, you know, just like doing regular stuff and it does seem like just a kind of normal day that's interrupted by, um, who is it again? Schmeichel Schmeyers. Um, Schmeichel Schmeyers. Um <laughs> So, while in her bedroom, Lori sees Michael again hiding in sheets drying on a line outside. Um, then the phone rings and no one is there. She hangs up and when it rings again, it was only Annie who was chewing when she decided to make a phone call. Like, literally so annoying. Annie's an asshole. Really? Um, but she's she's going to borrow her mom's car and will pick Lori up for their babysitting gigs at 6.30. Which they can walk Loomis to arrives. because they've been walking everywhere all day. How big is Haddonfield? I don't like, yeah, they know. walk to school. She bumped into Tommy on the way Who to Who was walking school. to his school from, like, where she lives. I don't know. I guess they just like, Question maybe mark. they're just cruising. They like having the car because, you know, she borrowed the mom's car. Um, What was it in the book that we read in House in the Pines where she's like, when I was young, people used to cruise down the street. Maybe. I mean, that is all everyone did growing up in, you know, the woods of New England. In, like we in the 70s, we literally just got like alcohol poisoning in the woods because there was nowhere else to go. Yeah, I was getting alcohol poisoning in um, the, the desert parking lot. But... <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, we're like drinking whatever we could find 
by like a very dangerous and unsanctioned campfire in the woods or wherever. Um, yeah, there, what is, there's like a movie or a show or something where someone is talking to teenagers and they're like, isn't there a parking lot that's, that's missing you or like, that does sound shouldn't familiar. you get back to your parking lot? I can't remember <laughs> what's from, but that's that was, that's gonna where I was. kind of going to bother me because it was like a really good line. Like, yeah, I and I'm, isn't there a parking it, lot sure. missing some teens somewhere? I'm going to try to Google yeah. it while you keep talking. Good. Google it. Um, Loomis arrives at the cemetery and discovers that Judith Meyer's headstone has been stolen. Okay, this isn't going to hit, but I really, when I watched this, I was like, why is that grave so small? Why? (laughs) I was really convinced. I was like, so, I was like, is this like like a weird shot? It's such a tiny, Uh, small, like, tidally... Doug grave for um I'm a hamster. Just, I'm just really dumb and I was like this isn't the size of a grave but I'm just gonna keep it moving but it's where the headstone should have been and it's gone um Lori and Annie drive and smoke a joint and Lori cannot hang and she starts coughing immediately they drive by a crime scene where Annie's dad sheriff bracket is working and annie feels compelled for no reason at all to drive over and say hi to her dad even though they are actively smoking weed inside a car with all the windows up like you don't have to stop and say I mean, hi yeah you also, just keep like, going. she's like give me a little of that breath spray i was like you were just hot boxing this uh station wagon <laughs> so i don't think that's gonna help <laughs> Yeah, it's going to smell, dude. And then uh, Brackett tells them that somebody broke into the hardware store and stole a Halloween mask, a couple of knives, and rope. But he's like, it's just kids. Why? Why would kids break in and steal knives? They're cops. They don't really feel compelled to answer that question. Loomis arrives as the girls walk away and asks to speak to Brackett. Lori makes the mistake of telling Annie that she's got a little crush on Ben Tramer. That's on her because you know Annie sucks. I would like to, like, Annie's just a terrible fucking, she's a terrible babysitter, but she's a terrible fucking friend, too. Like, your friend tells you they've got a crush on somebody, like, keep that shit to yourself. Rude. And Lori's, like, shy and bookish, and she's, like, not out here sucking and fucking like you and Linda, okay? They do seem to be doing a lot of it. And, like, (laughs) Linda Vanderpumpin's boyfriend looks like he's 40. (laughs) (laughs) Bob looks 40, yeah. He looks like he's, like, yeah. Isn't it weird that there was a time Um, when um, teenagers were named Bob? Bob? It's like, yeah, there's going to be old people walking around whose names are, like, Brittany and Vanessa. Jennifer. And, like, that's There's going to be, like, all Gen- these Jennifers and Heathers in the, you know, retirement home. Jessica. Yeah. Um, Annie drops Lori at the Doyles, then goes into the Wallace's house for her own babysitting gig while Michael watches very close by. Uh, Brackett and Loomis go to the old Myers place and find evidence of a maimed dog, which someone's, I didn't catch the first time I watched it. Someone's been having a little inappropriate snack. 
and they say a man couldn't do this or Sheriff Brackett says a man couldn't do this and predictably Loomis is like this is not a man we're talking about it's a monster it's pure evil um (laughs) what that was really good (laughs) of my voice yeah pure evil (laughs) um (laughs) Uh, Loomis Pond Thank y'all. I'm so funny. Um, Loomis ponders. Oh, they head upstairs and then Loomis ponders Michael's moves right next to a window and then is startled when what looks like a traffic light falls and breaks the window and he whips out his gun. I do like that they're like, he came home. So like, you know, he's going to return to the house and you're like, let's loudly have this conversation by a window that faces the street. (laughs) Like... (laughs) He's like looking. His stage direction is to look out the window, and and the guy he's talking to is behind him. Like it's so so funny. Interesting, interesting way to talk. Uh, Loomis tells Brackett that when he first met Michael fifteen years ago, he met a six year old with a blank face and the devil's eyes. Um, he learned that what was behind his eyes was pure evil, and tells Brackett not to alert the news because he doesn't want too many looky loos around. And tells him just to tell his officers to keep a lookout. Which this is, is why dumb. they got in trouble because, like, gossip and information sharing networks are really valuable for like subverting dangerous situations and coming together against a common enemy. So, yeah, big mistake, huge, huge. <laughs> Loomis is just like a little like creep and he wants to be like alone in his pain like a cab but i'm like sheriff bracket please get your head on straight like this man is not well you need to get together this man is having actively having a mental breakdown whatever you say doc like what no (laughs) um Lori reads to tommy but gets a call from annie who tells her that she's um told ben tramer of Lori's crush Lori is capital p pissed and is distracted she's like when tommy looks out i'm putting food on the table i have to go to my job as a dental assistant and on top of this (laughs) now i gotta deal with ben tramer like come on i've got a court hearing in the morning and (laughs) i gotta i'm a stenographer i have to be there 7 a.m um Lori, yeah, she's wearing such a business casual outfit. It's like a blue button down and yeah, chinos, like you said. It's like what girl, you're sixteen. Like she what? like feathered her hair a little extra too before she went to her babysitting gig. She took off her um her white knit tights and her ugly ass clogs. Those clogs should be burned. I thought they were I like a heeled loafer. Like a stacked heel on a loafer. They didn't have any, like, I don't, they didn't have, like, a backing, though. It seemed like something you, like, slid into. I don't know. I guess we'll never know. I could know. be wrong. It could be a loafer. Um, Tommy looks out the window and sees what he thinks is the boogeyman in front of the Wallace house. But Lori doesn't believe him and continues talking with Annie until Annie spills butter on her clothes and has to hang up. She immediately strips to her underwear and puts on a men's shirt that she finds in the pantry in the kitchen. 
I don't, I'm like, where did you get this? She's shirt also from? like in a well lit room right next to like a window, and she's just like, also, she's like, Lindsay, I spilled. Like, it's not her fault. Pay attention to what you're doing. God. Annie, you are the babysitter. Lindsay is the baby you're sitting. Like, you're like constantly yelling for Lindsay to come help you. She's she the kid. In might situation. as well be sitting on her, like, physically smothering <laughs> her for what a good job she's doing babysitting. Yeah. Um,. So, yeah, the way she says Lindsay, too, she's like, Lindsay Lindsay is, like, engrossed in watching the thing on television. And Annie's trying to call her from the kitchen, and she's, Lindsay! It's terrible. Like, seven times she says it. Um, Lester, the Wallace's family dog, is barking at something outside. He heads outside, and it's Michael, and Michael kills him. Rest in peace, Lester, Lester. you were just trying to alert them to danger, and Annie killed you, basically. What a good boy. Yeah. Who was helping? Um, Annie heads out to the laundry room, which is its own separate building, down a path outside, which I kind of like. I'm not into it. I think. I think it'd be fun. I have to go out right now. I have to go outside to do laundry. I have to like you live exit in the door. Phoenix, though, like yeah, there's no snow. Yeah, you would you true. would make it your she shed. My she shed, yeah. <laughs> um, I put a little reading nook in there. Mm-hmm. Have like a mini fridge. I could or see you having like one of those hanging chairs that's like a egg shaped basket. Okay, I looked into getting one of those. Honestly, I, <laughs> I really did. Coded. <laughs> I love a swing. Yeah, like I also have never sat like a regular person. I always have to sit like you know, like yeah. contorted in some way. I think I'm gonna get there's. They make like wide desk chairs because I have a wide ass. Number one, and two, they make them so you can sit like crisscross applesauce in them because I can't just like sit in a desk chair like a normal human person. It's so uncomfortable. Like, I like to have a leg up or, you know, be stretching out. So, I think I need an alternate desk chair. That's not really relevant info for y- y'all. That's but. not what this is about. Sorry, guys. But I, but I appreciate you getting a desk chair that caters to you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Annie's out in the separate laundry room that doesn't have a reading nook. Big mistake. Huge. Uh, but Michael is watching from outside and locks her inside the room. She calls out to Lindsay, who cannot hear her over the horror movie. Luckily, the phone rings and it's Paul. Um, Annie tries to escape out of one of the windows, but like doesn't move the shelf that's in front of it. So I mean, that's probably what I would do. I don't want to move this stuff. I'm just gonna like do it the lazy person's way and then it would create more problems and then get stuck like annie got stuck i i, I don't know annie's just like so dumb she's like I, when she dies it's like thank god Spoiler with annie alert. i feel like she just would have been really annoying until she was like 28 and then she would be in her saturn return and be like "Ugh, i'm so sorry to like everyone that had to yeah. deal with me during those years and she would become like a humanitarian and really turn things around. But she never gets to do that because she dies. 
Poor Annie. Yeah, that's true. We're all stupid when we're teenagers. I'm so sorry, but I um, really have to fart because I've been holding it in, like, for a while. Okay, you do you, man. Bro, that was a pretty lengthy one. So, if the mic caught that, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Paul's on the phone and he wants... Uh, Lindsay to go get Annie. Do we ever Annie. see Paul on screen? I don't think so, right? No, just on the phone, yeah. Paul is, he's the luckiest person. Paul's the winner, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lindsay runs out to get her, get Annie and frees her from her really dumb predicament. Paul calls back and tells Annie his parents are, have gone out for the night so he can come over and ask her to come pick him up. She then convinces Lindsay to go over to the Doyle's house so she can hang out with Tommy. They walk over and Annie agrees to call Ben Tramer in the morning and cancel the date he set up if Lori agrees to watch Lindsay. It's actually Annie a terrible deal. Like, honestly. Like, extra kid. Annie's like, oh, this, like, problem I've created for you, I'll fix it only if you do something for me. Not a good, like, not a real friend. Only if friend. you take on. What a great friend, yeah. Um, Annie goes to drive off, but the car door is locked, and only at this moment does she realize she doesn't have the car keys. Like, how were you going to drive the car? You don't have the fucking car keys. Yeah, you don't even have pockets. You don't even have pants on. You don't even have a, <laughs> like, you're wearing a blanket as a as a coat. I don't know. In October, in Illinois. Ridiculous. <sighs> she gets, she goes to get the keys, and then... When she returns to the car, the door is suddenly open, but she's too distracted by the thought of getting dicked down by Paul that she does not notice. Michael is already in the backseat and attacks her, strangling her. She tries to honk the horn, but dies. Honking. And makes honking. Honking the horn, not honking her boobs like she wanted to. (laughs) Honk, honk. (laughs) Um... I don't want to say anything about anyone else's acting. I'm not an actor. I don't know. But she's making the dumbest fucking face. I've, her <laughs> eyes are crossed. Her mouth is open. Uh. It was just like, that was a, that's a choice. I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's funny. Um, when the little kids watch TV, while the little kids watch TV, Tommy scares Lindsay by hiding behind a curtain, but... While he's there, he sees Michael carrying Annie's body into the house across the street. <laughs> and he flips out. And Lori's like, shut That's the fuck problem. up, Tommy. You're lying. Michael really not giving a hoot over there. <laughs> like, not. Yeah, he's out in the open. He's carrying her body from the garage to the front of well, the house. Well, he's probably like, I've been driving around in this, like, state sanatorium station wagon all day and nobody said anything so i don't think i can lose i'm six foot five in like a full mechanics outfit and a and a william shatner mask and no one has that in an eye so like i do whatever i want um michael carrying annie's body into the la, 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 la. Okay, Loomis waits creepily outside the Myers house and scares off the three bully kids from earlier by whispering from behind a bush, Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. So unhinged. Hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Brackett sees this and speculates Loomis is might be wrong, but agrees to stay with him tonight in case he is right. Um, he just watched a grown man scaring three young children, but it's fine. It's like, All hey, the hey there, buddy. <laughs> hey, uh, Bob and Linda uh, crack some brewskis uh, and discuss their plan for fucking in a stranger's home. Mm-hmm. Bob makes a creepy, bad, 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 bad uh, pedophilic joke about really getting awful. Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah, it's gross. Um, They're, like, sitting in his car outside of the Wallace's house, like, drinking beers. Just stay in your car. Just, like, park your car in an empty, abandoned parking lot. Crack some beers. Do what you want to do. Go home. You don't need to go into a stranger's house. Like, I I don't understand your plan. But they head into the Wallace's house anyway. They... The lights are off and no one it seems to be there, but they don't care. And they start making out on the couch while Michael watches silently nearby. So weird. Yeah. Uh, he's like 10 feet from them and they don't notice. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, there could be a child anywhere nearby. Yeah, too. they haven't gotten um, confirmation that no one's there yet. They're just going for it. <laughs> they walked in one room of the house. Uh, eventually they call Lori to see like what the fuck is going on where is Annie Uh, she tells them that she went to go get Paul so they've got the place to themselves in what looks like it might be the master bedroom like this is a stranger's master bedroom Um, and you're not even the babysitter and the babysitter's weird friend she doesn't even go here she doesn't even go here (laughs) Um, their sex is interrupted by a phone call um, so they take it off the hook and continue to have what appears to be really unsatisfactory sex. They're just, like, like moving around. They're just, like, wiggling. They're, about. like, doing yeah. the worm in bed next to each other, basically. <laughs> like, slithering. <laughs> yeah. um, Bob, who, like, as we mentioned earlier, looks 40. Uh, he goes downstairs to get more beers, but hears a noise, goes to investigate, and gets stabbed to the wall by michael yep (laughs) definitely physically possible yeah a knife could hold up a whole human bro i just realized like it would be physically possible because physics allowed it like physical physics (gasps) whoa my god root words root words are crazy linda files her nails in in a stranger's bed with what is probably a stranger's nail file. Yeah, because, like, what did you have that, like, in your butt? Like, no. You're just... Yeah, where were you stashing that thing? She totally just went around, like, digging into their bedside table. Um, Michael walks in in a ghost sheet with the eyeball, eye holes cut out. And he's wearing Bob's glasses over top of that. It's so fucking funny. Did um, you know that the actor that played Bob was a background dancer in Greece. We got to keep an eye out for him if I ever watch that movie again, mm-hmm. which I probably I've never won't. seen Greece. <laughs> yeah, I might never see it again. I mean, you know how I feel about musicals. I'm in the negative. You know, I just don't Listen, I, it's not for you. It's okay. Dancing and I can't. I did I tell um, you how I was like I was going to have like a day and I was going to 
you know, make dinner and sit on the couch and relax and watch Mamma Mia. I was, like, so excited. And I made it through, like, four minutes. And I was like, no, this is unbearable for me. Like, why is everyone singing? I don't, I don't know. There were too many songs per minute. <laughs> songs per minute. Um, so Linda flashes him, but he continues to just stand there. She gets upset by his unresponsiveness and calls Lori to, like, try to get their plan rolling forward and see where Annie is. Um, While calling her, Linda turns her back to Michael. He comes up behind her, chokes her, strangles her with the phone cord. All Lori hears is moaning, and she thinks it's Annie messing with her again. But when no one answers, she gets worried and tries to call back. Uh, Lori puts the kids to bed, both kids, in the Doyle in house or in Tommy's yeah, in bed. In a single bed. Strange. Does does Lindsay have pajamas? Like where? I think she was like, wearing she Tommy's pajami. Tommy pajamas. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a little strange. Maybe they know each other from school, I guess. I don't know. A little weird. But they know each other. They're also friends. like where are the parents? Like where are you are they at like an orgy like what is keeping you out away so long i mean a hol- it's like um in hocus pocus when they are at the halloween party and they get a hex on them to dance until they die that's what happened that's that's where they are they're at the <laughs> hocus pocus town halloween hall dance. party yeah. um the Lori puts the kids to bed goes to wallace's to investigate and she's walking like very slowly across the street which is like yeah, the pacing is adding to the horror, but, like, she's walking 50 yards. Like, it takes get, a long time. get it yeah. together. Like, you have been creeped out by someone following you all day. Tommy's been saying he can see a boogeyman. Suddenly your friends aren't answering the phone. Like, you're not even a little suspicious about what's going on. If it were me, I probably would have stayed put. I'm so sorry to say you wouldn't come investigate me well, across you just, the street? Wouldn't you just call Annie's dad and be like, something's up? Although I guess she doesn't want her friends to get caught basically trespassing um, if nothing is wrong. Like, I would go investigate, but I would for sure bring a weapon. Like, I'm not going across the street, like, empty-handed. I'm bringing something. An umbrella, a knife. You know, I don't know, something to defend myself. But umbrellas are not as pointy as they used to be these days, you know? Right. You know what I want to get? A baton. Just because? No, for, like, self-defense. We like, have a, um... Because... Th- Please. They sell some that are, like, small. That you, you can, can like, clip sh- on. Yeah. I do kind of want to be, like, better about not dying and, like, defending myself. But... Adam's grandpa, did I ever tell you this? Adam's grandpa used to work for the Boston Globe many years ago, like in the 50s. So at some point, he ended up with like a 1950s Boston police, like Billy Club, and we still have it. And so I just sleep, with it. I sleep with it by the bed. So, you know, I can club someone if they come in to try to get me. Yeah. But it's kind of weird. It's like a big wooden, like, <laughs> batani thing. I don't know. I'll send you a picture. I mean, yeah, that's self-defense. But I, like, I have things 
the thing that like I don't know. This is like me being paranoid, probably. You bike, like, bike a lot, right? Well, yeah, I like go on runs and stuff. And I just need, like, I have close proximity self defense weapons, like a knife and pepper gel and shit. But I want something that's like, I don't have to be up close and personal with someone. Like, so does the baton like me, come out like a telescope? Yeah, it's like like in like mo- like movies that cops have, but it's smaller, so you can like clip it on and you just like whip it out and. I love that for you. You should totally get one. It's also like my plan is to run away. You know, like that's the plan is to take off. But you're never. Ga- I just don't want you to you're get fast, close. Though, you know, I have to I'm have a better. One. I have asthma. <laughs> but you're a runner. You're a track star. I'm a runner, runner, I'm a track track star. star. (laughs) (laughs) I knew, I was there with you. We're so far into... We're, okay, okay, all right, here we go. She's walking across the street. (laughs) She's at the door. She's caught, she's... (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's in the house. She's in the house. All the lights are off and no one is answering her knocks. She goes around entering the house through the back door. She calls out again. She thinks they're playing a prank on her. She proceeds upstairs, sees a light on in one of the rooms, but oh no, inside is Annie's body, splayed out underneath Judith's tombstone. Lori stumbles backward, and Bob's body swings down from the closet, upside down. I don't know how. Michael's also, like, He's got super a perfect strength. set decorator. <laughs> no, and I was wondering, too, because then she walks across the room, and this, like, cabinet just pops open, and um, Linda Vanderhooten's body is in there. And I'm like, how did he get the cabinet to, like, pop open at the perfect moment? I just, like, I'm picturing Michael, like, with fishing line, just, like, right outside the door, like, Meow! He's like, I had a lot of time to practice. <laughs> Fifteen years to play this out in my head. Um, so, yeah, Bob falls out of the closet. Linda Vanderhoosen is in the in the cupboard. Um, she walks backward. Lori walks backwards out of the room sobbing and then just like collapses against a wall for too long. Like, and then Michael comes move. out of a you girl, you got to go. Your friends have been murdered. This isn't like, oh, whoops. They've like they're disappeared. No, they're they're they've been murdered and their bodies have been staged like someone's in this fucking house. Yeah. But she turns her back to a empty bedroom and Michael comes out of it behind her and he like weep slices her her arm like so tenderly he um, is aiming for her business casual shirt he's like you're too young to wear this button up <laughs> it's from Chico's um go to Hot Topic and get a band t-shirt <laughs> um no I think Lori would shop at like American Eagle Talbots. She'd be in America. Talbots. <laughs> uh, what's the other one called? The Liz Claiborne. Totally. Liz Claiborne. Girly. I think Chico's so... is actually a little too like wild. They have too many statement pieces. <laughs> it's true. It's like, oh, there, there's a pattern. That on this is blouse? a strong Forget. pattern. No, thank you. <laughs> Um, but when Michael slices her arm, she tumbles over the staircase down to the first floor. She tries to open the front door, but it's blocked or locked. Um, she gets to the back door, breaks a pane, and escapes while Michael pursues her. 
Outside, she screams and runs to the neighbor's house. They turn on the light, but then turn it They're back like, off no, again. No, thank you. I thought it was a like a motion sensitive. Well, I don't think light, number but... one they had those in the seventies. Number two, you yeah. see someone like open the curtain and look, and they'd be like, "Yeah, no, uh, yeah." It's no. it's very bypass like bystander syndrome. It's terrifying. which like could never be me. I no, I'd be like, "Are you okay?" Like, yeah. Plus, like, everybody in this, this town like, ostensibly knows each other, and she's, like, right? a well-established, respected babysitter in the community. <laughs> you think they'd be like, oh, something's going on. But something's they're probably just like, Lori. you kids have been screaming all night. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> we can hear you having sex from over here. Like, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so the neighbor's like, I can't get involved in this. She runs back to the Doyle's house and fumbles for the keys in her pants pocket. Can't get them. Gives up. Oh my up, god, my Cheeto out. pockets are too deep and practical. I can't find <laughs> the keys. <laughs> what are these, men's pants? Why do I have front pockets? <laughs> um, she Yeah, so she quickly gives up her search for the keys in her two... She only has two pockets. Just, like, keep looking. Like, take, take, take a breath, keep she looking. She doesn't have the time. She calls out for Tommy, who's asleep upstairs, and then she throws a potted plant at the window, and he finally wakes up. A very sleepy Tommy takes his time coming down, um, but gets to the door just in time. Lori uh, sends him to barricade himself and Lindsay in his bedroom. She tries the phone line, but it's been cut, and then she sees that a window is also broken in in the living room. She crouches in front of the couch, crying, and grabs a knitting needle. Michael is behind the couch and pops up and stabs at her. But Can I just say, a cushion. of course she knits, right? Like, come on. <laughs> what a loser. Yeah, so this um, is her critical error where she, you know, you when a bad guy goes down, you make sure he's down. He better be decapitated. Dead. Yeah, so he hits the cushion, misses, but she gets him in the neck with a with a knitting needle he lies he's out flat on the floor as if dead and she does not investigate does not continue stabbing goes upstairs instead mm-hmm. she gets the kids and tells them that she's killed the boogeyman but oh no he's already upstairs she tells the kids to hide again she opens the bedroom balcony um to pretend like she's she went out that way but hides in the closet instead michael figures this out rattles the door handle for like a long time we've seen him physically bust through a door and he's like tick, 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 at the... <laughs> um, and then he finally busts like hammer punches the the like closeted blinds in Lori breaks a wire breaks up a wire hanger and stabs him in the eye smart and then he's he's down again um she he drops the knife and she's opens the closet, or oh no no no. Okay, so he she stabs him in the eye. He drops the knife into she the closet. The she picks it up, stabs him in, in the, the abdomen. In the, yeah, but again, doesn't you know check her work? D- yeah, you gotta double check your work. Show your work. Double check it. She drops, tosses the knife aside. Why would I and need then, this? <laughs> who needs that? Who needs a weapon to defend myself? She lets the kids out, tells them to go down the street to the Mackenzie's and call the police. 
she sits on the floor again with her back to the room that Michael is in, and he sits perfectly up at a at a forty five degree hinged angle. I think it was a ninety and degree then, angle. Oh yeah, ninety degrees. He's like fully. Um. Loomis is out patrolling the neighborhood and luckily sees Lindsay and Tommy run screaming from the house. Hilarious. Like, uh, Michael grabs Lori and tries to strangle her. She pulls off his mask and while he scrambles to get it back on, Loomis shoots him, sending him flying backwards into the bedroom. Loomis shoots him again several more times. Michael flies off the balcony and appears dead on the ground below. Loomis checks on Lori, but when he goes back outside, he sees that Michael's body is once again gone. Lori sobs while Loomis has an indiscernible look on his face. It's like, he's like, I don't know, looks like he's smelling something bad. It's not, it's like, not scared or like, I don't, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, like he stepped in dog shit. It's like my nemesis got away. What if the twist was that Loomis was also an escaped patient that thought he was, I, like, a doctor? I would absolutely believe that. No question. It's a classic. It's a classic. We are la- the last image we land on is the Myers house, presumably where Michael has gone to recuperate. I think that there is something is so end? scary about the Myers house because... It is, like, not a, it's a spook house, but it's not, like, a ghost house or, like, what we traditionally think of as a haunted, you know, kind of place. It's, like, a pretty banal, like, normal suburban home, and I don't know. It's, like, so creepy thinking about, like, the parents left, Michael's institutionalized, you know, nothing ever happened with the property, and it's just there, and, like, everyone knows what happened there creepy yeah in like a small town it's also so sad too to think like yeah a little boy murdered his sister and then the parents abandoned the house and now it's just like sitting there as like a a monument to that horrific thing would that stop you from buying a house no i'll give get, give me any house i don't care i'll take it <laughs> um i also like yeah i i mean i like spooky stuff but like Lots of things have happened lots of places. I don't know. I don't like the idea of ghosts because what a fucking bummer. Like, that's a bummer to, like, die and then still have to be on this plane of existence. What the fuck? Like, no, thank you. I don't want that for anybody. I forget who said it, but there's a that quote that's like, if ghosts were real and could, like, harm you, there would be no white people uh, left alive. <laughs> right. That's, yeah, so true. And also, yeah, I would like to think that, like, people who have passed on are no longer having to deal with this shithole we call like our current existence yeah it's like nobody has to be here you know having to be here longer than your prescribed amount of time does sound like a drag (laughs) no thanks so this movie is good um and the (laughs) uh as you know we here at the cast are fans of um black christmas which is a little earlier than this movie directed by bob clark who was not a horror director and didn't make another horror movie after this. So John Carpenter asked Bob Clark about what the process was like for developing an anonymous slasher. 
and then wrote the screenplay. And I love that fact because once you know it, you can totally see, you know, the like killer from Black Christmas all over Michael Myers. And I think Michael Myers has become such a like eponymous kind of like well-known cultural fixture, but having kind of like that origin story is makes it so much creepier because I think that the killer in Black Christmas is one of like the scariest like horror villains ever yeah def- because um you don't they don't have a motive even Michael Myers he doesn't have a motive we like he's in this iteration and I'm gonna say something really controversial I don't think that we needed any sequels I think this is a standalone movie that it's doesn't pretty need anything movie, else yeah like I understand um, because slashers were getting so huge and Michael Myers is a really well-written character because, like you said, he has no motive. He isn't vocal. (laughs) Like, he's so mysterious in his, like, motivations that it makes it even scarier. But I think all the sequels have kind of, like, robbed that legacy. And And I think, yeah, it's scary enough that he's just, like thirsty for blood like all he wants is to scare people and he even he like takes joy in scaring not only murdering but like creating horror you know like he scares that little bully kid and he like goes around stalking Lori just enough so she can see him you know like ratcheting up that her like tension and fear but then in the sequels then in, in Halloween 2 it's revealed that Lori is Michael's little sister so his motivation is then like family annihilation right and then the canon gets all muddled cuz then they go back on it Lori's dead she's alive she's got a daughter no age she's got a son it like it doesn't and then she's not his sister it's like it just it gets all messy i think the the other through line is like the connectivity to the home like which is also an element of black christmas like that sorority house had like significance to the killer so that made it so much scarier because like they're living in a reality they don't like totally understand and it just like all comes back on them which kind of same for laurie strode like she's moving through the world and just randomly got picked because she happened to drop the key at the myers house that day you know it's so scary and she's a teenage girl right which is like a scary thing to be for sure yeah i do think i don't such a good standalone movie and i also like that it has to be a subversion of what the producer was thinking of when he said like i want a babysitter killing (laughs) like a babysitter slasher because it's like I don't know. It's, like, weirder than that. It's, like, a little more... It has more depth and, like, less depth at the same time because there's no motivation. Like, we don't know what makes Michael do what he does. And it's random, but also that makes it, like, creepier. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think... Who's listening? No, I... No, I... Who's listening? I, I agree. I think that this isn't, like... I wouldn't call it an intellectual horror movie. It's not like your brain isn't working very hard when you watch it. It's just really fun. But I think that Carpenter is like an excellent director and he allows the pace to like move the 
the story through effectively. And while not a lot happens and there definitely is not a lot of gore, it's still scary. And he has that sort of self-awareness to not be too serious about it and not be too crass with it either. Like I think it in someone else's hands, a point that um, Kim Newman makes in nightmare movies is that like in another director's hand, a less adept director, Mm -hmm. it might've like been dwindled down to just gore but like eli ross really than that that fucker yeah that fuckhead he's my enemy my forever enemy those eyebrows are enough you know (laughs) i think the pathologizing of mental illness and understanding of like what makes someone a sociopath or psychopath or evil is limited here i think like yeah because not all psychopaths and sociopaths are killers and I think the like blankness and emotionless is what emotionlessness, emotionlessness is what makes Michael so scary. But also it's pointing to like a neurodivergency and like a brain that doesn't you know function the same as other people's. And I think that's a slippery yeah. slope, obviously. So because I think yeah. that especially with white men, there's a like kind of we have this like cultural tendency to be like oh well they have they're mentally ill or like they struggle with mental illness so it kind of like legitimizes the actions that they take like we've seen it with you know white male terrorists and like someone like ted bundy Mm -hmm. who it's like oh we just want to figure out like why he would do something like that and it's like it was a woman's fault (laughs) yeah like okay and then meanwhile there are people like actually suffering with mental illness like managing it and not doing this shit and like dudes like this become the face for you know what we go through which is kind of effed up i yeah it's definitely a slippery slope and yeah mental health mental illness neurodivergence does not equal evil and that's also damaging if you do the flip side of it where we have like actual serial killers, terrorists, rapists out in the world who everything gets blamed on their mental illness. When they're white. Or they're, when they're white. And so it's like, then they're downplaying their own agency and their own capacity for evil. But I do appreciate, even though Loomis is kind of unhinged and definitely having a mental health break, is that he makes it a point to say like, when I met Michael, I knew he wasn't just a patient. Like, he was pure evil. So in that instance, they're making it, like, not everyone who is in this hospital, in this quote-unquote sanatorium, is evil. Michael is an exception. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, I think, again, it is a slippery slope. And the way sure. that at the beginning of the movie, the patients are wandering around in, like, John hospital Johnny's, like, gowns, I'm like, long-term patients are able to wear like their own clothes they are like able to i mean not everybody it's a way to dehumanize them yeah not every patient is going to be like completely out of it and wandering around in like a fugue state there it's like Mm -hmm. they're played for a scare that isn't good like it's not an impactful scare it's just kind of like okay, something's, you know, going on, which could have been illustrated in a number of ways. And I just, I don't love it, you know. Don't yeah, I don't love it. it. Um, 
I also like at the very end when Laurie unmasks him, he has a facial like disfigurement. And I also don't appreciate that like ugly equals scary that an evil person has to in some way be ugly. It will be a nice moment if ever horror can divorce itself from ableism in our culture. It's just like so deeply ingrained. Even something as like as recent and as current as like fucking barbarian, you know, like Ugh, where this gigantic woman who's like she's evil. Like I just like yeah, do we have to? Does it that have one to was be a ableist double every whammy time? because it was like ugly and um inbred and deformed plus like she is mother her only motivation is motherhood so that was like an offensive she double whammy yeah and i like i also think it's i mean we're going to go i fucking hated barbarian i fucking hated that you know i was like so pissed off when i watched watched that movie i hated it so fucking much I hated it too. but i also think it's like gigantic woman like any woman who dares to be big in any way must be bad like she's evil well there's I just, a I like... reason annie is the first one of the girls to die like she has the most yeah. brash personality and she takes up like the most metaphorical space and then mm-hmm. linda is a little more chill but she's still slutty linda vanderhoon yeah um, and then, like, like you know, Lori is a perfect final girl. She's virginal. She's reserved. Like, she, you know, doesn't kind of, like... She's the Mary Jane. She doesn't want to... Like, she doesn't want to get that D. She doesn't want to get that D, dude. She's got books to read. Yeah, like, every final girl has to be exceptional. She's less slutty than her friend. She's smarter. She's quieter. I don't, yeah, I just don't appreciate that either. That, like, justice for sluts. I know. I don't know. Take up space. Don't, you don't have to wear business casual. You wear Just a button-up shirt and no bra. Wear a mini dress to babysit that child. Who cares? <laughs> wear only underwear and a blanket, That's you know? nothing stopping Annie. I actually kind of liked the big shirt, socks, and blanket look. I can't lie. Big shirt, socks, blanket. It's like a shawl. You know, like a, like a plaid pattern shawl. Can I be a shawl person? Can I be like a blanket as shawl you- person? You can absolutely be a shawl person. I believe in you. My mom used to keep like several blankets in the car for blanket shawl occasions. You know that I'm a blanket person. I have like, I don't know, 20 blankets. I love a blanket. I don't want anyone to ever be cold. I'm actively looking at three blankets and I'm the only one who ever comes in this room. So, you know, got one on the chair, got one on the bed, another one on the bed. I usually have a couple of them on the couch. You are a blanket person though, for sure. I love... And a pillows. I like I like coziness. I want you to like come into my house and be comfortable I, because I like being comfortable. But um, I fucking forgot what I was gonna say. I well, don't I don't know. I think um, we were Who talking knows? about <laughs> sluts, forgiveness, and Slut. redemption for sluts. No, sluts don't need to be forgiven for anything. They just need to be like not portrayed terribly in pop culture. 
your morality is not tied to your promiscuity and there's nothing wrong with sucking and fucking your way through town. You know what I mean? Like, you do you, girl. It's not tied to your morality any more or less than your face shape, your health, like all of these determinants that aren't real. And obviously... Your body shape? This movie is so white. So, so white. Um, I mean, Michael Myers would have to be white because only a white man would do this shit. But I think that that's true. There are plenty of places where a person of color could be cast, and the effect is the same. There's no reason everybody needs to be white in this movie. And yeah, that's or a person that. of color could have been cast, and it could have been more nuanced and more interesting. Yeah, like I think character. that the thing does a good job. Like, um, you know, our forever boyfriend Keith David is. Childress. He yeah, does a great job. Is a great character and he is complex and like has interests and feelings and I think that Childress, such a good name. It reminds me of like a vegetable. Childress. Childress. Like he's got a, what a is like, turtleneck and a tiny mustache and like wild earrings. Crest, winter crest. And then a Childress? Childress. Crest vegetables <laughs> watercress that's what i was thinking of water watercress in my salads water childress <laughs> water childress in my salads um well, this is definitely yeah, gone on a long enough so do you have any final feelings Maybe or thoughts um no we've done this stuff a cab sergeant bracket kind of sucks or sheriff bracket whatever but also, he does nothing he really in this movie. He just like follows a man having a psychotic break around and is completely ineffectual. So it's not anti cop, but it's not not anti cop because he's definitely yeah. not positioned to be like a likable character. Is his um, ineffectiveness bad? Like, does it skew bad? Yeah. Like, his inability to investigate crimes. His inability to notice that a person to murder that fucking station wagon was all around town. Also, you would think like they're they're just sending like a doctor that's having a psychotic break. You would think there would be like more (laughs) kind of like, you know, formulation of a plan or like more protocol around calling, you know, the police department in the hometown of the like murderer that just escaped. But what do I know? Yeah, I feel we don't. I know see any I wouldn't have cops. left my house. I would have not opened a door. I would have barricaded. You're not coming in here, sir. Yeah, I would have answered the door to a teenager in like, distress, screaming, "Help! Help! Let me in!" Yeah, but well, they probably know. thought she was like a 45 year old woman. <laughs> I think it was a child. They're like, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, you're a paralegal. You can handle this. <laughs> you can handle this. <laughs> Um, oh, what boy. should we fuck this week? Well, fuck white supremacy, which is very present in this movie. Even fuck though ableism. it's not overt, it's covert, which can be more dangerous and sinister. Fuck ableism. Fuck um, misogyny and like assigning moral value to what you do with your, your holes and your poles, you know? Do whatever you want. Holes in your poles. (laughs) TM. You do what you want with them. TM. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
I agree with all of that. I'd say, yeah, Michael Myers, he's tall. He wears the hell out of that jumpsuit. Sure does. Um, He'd murder me, though. I so got a kind of similar I'll, looking jumpsuit. Maybe I'll skip it. In, from Big Bud Press, and I'm wondering if I should just get a Michael Myers mask and start wearing that every Ooh. day. <laughs> um, I want yeah like I can't wear overalls but I think maybe I could make like a jumpsuit situation happen and I did see like uh I think it was on Instagram it was like a girl wearing she had like an all black jumpsuit with like the sleeve like a short sleeve but the sleeves rolled up and then she had a like turtleneck long sleeve under it and that's it very so cool I do the big butt yeah, press like jumpsuit sure. is really well made and the measurements are great because I got well, it has, like, an elastic kind of waistband, so the waistband has a lot of give, so you can kind of, like, it's movable and conforms to different body types, and the cut is, like, amazing, and I got a petite, which was great, because the legs were more proportionate to my legs, because sometimes things are long on me. Wow. I mean, I'm the tallest person I know, because I measured myself today, and I'm 5'4". You're I was, like, incredibly tall mouth agape I, i'm i'm like wow like, like how did you even get so tall how did i even get so Have tall you grown? i mean because yeah i was trying to do that yoga pose and i was like why is this i'm flexible why is this so hard for me and i was like it's because my legs are a weird long way longer than my arms and then i was measuring and then i was like this doesn't add up to 62 which is what i thought my height was and then i measured i'm five four you know Alert the authorities. You learn something new every day. Lady stomping around over here. Anyway. Um, I don't know. Stay ugly. And get fucked. Really. And you can't shit upwards. That's so true. And remember that the stabbing sound effect in Halloween is a knife stabbing a watermelon. So take that with you. Wherever you go. <laughs> so stab your watermelons at your own leisure. Okay, bye. Bye.